0: We're so glad you're here to listen to this week's sermon from Park Street Church. Park Street is a historic congregation located in the heart of Boston. But more than that, we're a community of people from all different backgrounds who believe and are united by the good news that Jesus is Lord. Visit us at parkstreet.org to learn about our community. Beginning a new six-week series during the season of lent today entitled becoming like jesus and if you've been to the Lent discipleship initiative gatherings before the service um, you'll know that the the themes of the booklet that we're working through and the themes of what we do in the sermons will be related to one another and uh, i do encourage as many of you as are able to be a part of ldi this year and, and to get d- in deeper relationships with one another and just to dig deeper into this material together the the um, overarching idea behind the season of lent for us and really always is a time of renewal it's a time of renewal through renewed repentance and in a sense a spiritual spring cleaning of the soul a time to let go of those things that we've accumulated in our lives that are not in line with jesus and his lordship and to be renewed in the life that he's come to bring and the way we're doing that this year is by growing uh, or thinking about how we become like jesus how we grow to be like him And we'll get into that in the weeks to come, but we're going to start today with God's initiative, with the very beginning of where this all begins and why there is a church and why you and I might be here today as disciples of Jesus, because of God's initiating love and what we call the gospel. Uh, We are a people who are defined by the gospel. And gospel means, quite simply, good news. And as Christians, we are a good news people. That is our foundation and it's the reason that we're here so the question is what is the good news and that's what we're going to consider together this morning our text is acts chapter 10 verses 34 to 43. so i invite you to open up your your bibles to this text as we walk through it together this is the account of peter the apostle speaking to cornelius in his home and to the people that are gathered together with cornelius in his home Uh, We could go to a number of the sermons in the book of Acts and probably make the same observations that we'll make here This is a repeated theme what we'll find here in Acts chapter 10. This is a particularly poignant moment Um, In verse 33 if you look at the verse right before uh, Cornelius says to Peter I sent for you at once and you've been kind enough to come and this is the you know best ever softball down the middle now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have commanded, all that you've been commanded by the Lord. So Cornelius just tees it up for Peter to share what he came to share. And let's remember, we got to this point because of a vision that Cornelius had, where he was spoken to by an angel, and then a vision that Peter had where the, the Lord himself spoke to Peter, and then another moment where Peter was told by the angel to go with Um, the men who had come to his home so we are here by divine intervention this is a divinely created moment this is the first moment when the gospel will be preached to the non-jewish world it was not right or fitting for a jew to enter into the house of a gentile and devout jews would not do that in the first century that's why it took a vision from god to get peter to go with these people who had been sent for him from Cornelius and and why it took a vision from God for him to enter into Cornelius's house so we're already in unprecedented uh, an unprecedented place um, where Peter didn't expect himself to be outside of the vision of God and God at work in him so this is a moment that we want to listen because when the the, the ball is teed up like this Peter has a, a moment now with this listening captive audience of Gentiles to say what he came to say And what we're going to see is three things as we look at this text. First, the gospel is about a person. Second, it's about a position or this person in a position. And third, it's about a purpose, what this person in this position has set out to accomplish or what God is doing in and through him. So first, the gospel is about a person. This is not going to be, you know, we could do a pop quiz right now and I hope everybody would get this right. (laughs) The person that the gospel is about is Jesus. So if you're ever wondering, and anybody ever asks you, and you're confused, you know, when they say, well, what's the gospel that you believe? If you can just say, Jesus, you're on solid ground. Uh, that's what Peter says after two verses where he is just overwhelmed at the fact that God is now a God who's not just limiting his grace and love to the Jews, but is expanding it. There's no partiality, he says, with God. Then in verse 36, he starts to proclaim the gospel. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus, the Messiah. He is Lord of all. And so Peter introduces this person right at the beginning to Cornelius. And then he says in verse 37, by the way, Cornelius... You know what I'm talking about, Caesarea, where they are 50 miles away from Jerusalem. There's no doubt that Cornelius would have heard the stories about Jesus, heard about the ruckus that had gone on in Jerusalem just a couple of months earlier, the crucifixion, probably knew a lot about Jesus. And so he says in verse 37, You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. And then Peter uh, begins to give an outline of this person, Jesus. Uh, He says something about the fact that he had power. So, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then he says something about his work. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. He is clearly fighting against evil and the work of the devil. We'll come back to that in a moment. He then mentions his death at the end of verse 39. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. And then, of course, his resurrection on the third day in verse 40. By the way, this is a brief summary of what we find in the gospel narratives, particularly in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That's what Peter's giving him right here, introducing him to the person of Jesus, his life, his ministry, that he was anointed by the Spirit, then his death, and then his resurrection. That is what we get in the gospel narratives. So perhaps it's no surprise because Peter is giving this to us before the gospels were written. He's making this, uh, giving this sermon. And then notice one thing about jesus that is a clear in verse 42 that jesus is still alive and still working what does it say in verse 42 and he that is jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by god to be judge of the living and the dead actually at the very beginning of acts luke gives us this perspective in acts uh, in the first verse of acts where he he says uh, in the first book of theophilus i have dealt with all that jesus began to do and teach and so that implication there is that what luke is narrating about the beginning and birth and growth and expansion of the church is all that jesus is continuing to do and to teach the, the resurrected king continues to do his work in ministry in the world now through his appointed apostles who are empowered by the same spirit with which jesus himself was anointed so this is about a person second it's about a position this person in a position uh, and we see this in verse 36. as for the word that he sent to israel preaching good news of peace through jesus christ or the messiah and then he is lord of all it's unfortunate actually that the translators in, or in the esv chose to put this in parentheses i would actually uh, it's obviously there's no parentheses in the original um, by the way. Uh, But the the grammar here isn't super clear, but I I actually think this is the point of what Peter's trying to say in his opening statement. And so I would prefer a, a translation that would say something to the effect of preaching peace or good news of peace through Jesus Christ. This one is Lord of all. Just dash. This one is Lord of all. The moment that ...Peter introduces Jesus for the first time to Cornelius. He says, this person that is at the heart of our good news... ...at the heart of what I've come to share, this person is in this position. He is Lord of all. What a claim that Peter makes about Jesus. It's an emphatic claim, a gospel declaration. Jesus is Lord of all. He's on the throne seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. Ephesians 1, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Jesus above all. Jesus over all. Jesus is Lord of all. This is the heart of the gospel. And Jesus himself, the risen one, wants this to be known. He wants people to know this, and that's why in verse 42, we read that he commanded Peter and the apostles to preach. To the people what did he want them to preach to testify that he's the one appointed by god to be judge of the living and the dead well the judge is the one on the throne in the seat of authority exercising judgment and a part of his ongoing work his consummation of what he began in his earthly ministries he will one day return and he will judge the world the living and the dead and he will expunge evil from his creation once and for all it is the work of judgment That is the work of cleansing of his creation that jesus will do and he does this as lord over all by affirming this position about jesus peter is saying jesus defeated his enemies as well that's why he's on the throne and we should be really clear as we proclaim the gospel the enemies are never other people they weren't the people who betrayed jesus who cried out for his crucifixion who abdicated their position of authority in the case of Pilate and just handed him over to the crowd. No, those very people Jesus prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The enemy that Jesus had his sights set on from the beginning is the devil, the prince of the power of the air. And this was the one whom Jesus' ministry was set against from the outset to defeat this one. Everything that the devil and the spiritual forces of evil do are to bind or oppress image-bearers of God. And of course, they do that through all kinds of means, but everything that the devil does is to diminish life, to cause us not to flourish, but to to diminish. The devil and his work is like a poison that is unnatural and destructive to the human person. But God, on the other hand, is the God of life, the God for life, the author of life. And God acts in Jesus to defeat the devil in order for life to reign. We see in verse 38, actually, in the account that Peter gives of of, uh, Jesus' ministry on earth, that he healed all who were oppressed by the devil. Jesus was undoing the binding that people had been in because of sin and wickedness. Actually, in John's gospel, there is no exorcism. There are no demons cast out of people. There's one great exorcism. This is a distinct feature of John's gospel in John chapter 12, when Jesus Jesus says, Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. The one great exorcism in John is the devil being cast out of his dominion as Jesus takes the throne by winning the victory at the cross. Hebrews 2 ...mentions that Jesus, through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. 1 John 3, verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus is Lord of all, and he's destroyed and defeated his enemies. And this is at the heart of the gospel proclamation. This person in this position. One other thing thing to say about Jesus as Lord of all... Is that the gospel when it is proclaimed is always a claim that undercuts any other claim to lordship or authority to say that he is lord of all is to say that no one else is lord of all and this is significant in the first century and it's significant at this moment in the narrative in acts because in the first century this was a commonly known reality that caesar the leader of the roman empire would have been referred to as lord of all actually there's evidence of caesar being called the lord of all the world the lord of the world the lord and god of the entire earth and lord of all all of these are found in the literature in the Gre- in the greco-roman world and actually the word lord is used in acts 25 by the roman governor festus about caesar he calls him the lord and that's significant so when peter says here opens his mouth he's declaring that Jesus not Caesar is Lord of all let's think about the context where are we we're in Caesarea well where did the name of Caesarea come from Caesar so we're in the town that was named after the Roman Emperor Caesar where else are we're we in Cornelius's house well who's Cornelius he's a Roman centurion what does he lead he leads a military arm of Caesar's Empire the means by which Caesar exerts his authority The the particular cohort that uh, Cornelius leads, we learn in the opening verses of chapter 10, is called the Italian cohort. They actually get their name from Italy, the location of the capital of the empire, of Rome. None of this is an accident, by the way. And so here in this context, right in the heart of Rome, you could say, in Caesarea, to this Roman centurion, Peter declares the gospel that Jesus is Lord of all, not Caesar this gospel declaration is always an idol demolishing declaration why because the god who sent his son into the world and whose lordship is exercised and demonstrated through jesus himself is the god who longs to bring life to his world and idols don't bring life but they diminish they enslave they oppress this is the way old testament scholar christopher wright in a book that he wrote recently on idolatry, he mentioned, talks about this. He said, false gods destroy and devour lives, health, and resources. They distort and diminish humanity. It is possible that the most satanic dimension of their deceptive power is that in spite of all of this, they still persuade people that they are the beneficent protectors of their worshippers' identity, dignity, and prosperity, and must therefore be defended at all costs and then Wright says only the gospel can unmask these claims only the gospel exposes the cancer of idolatry only the gospel is good for people Jesus the Messiah this one is Lord of all he is in this position of absolute authority over all the world and thirdly this purpose so we have this person Jesus in this position being Lord over all well why is this such good news it's because of the purpose that is being worked out through Jesus's lordship and we see this in our text here what is Jesus doing in this office as Lord over all what is God accomplishing in and through Jesus once again all three of our points kind of find their base in verse 36 as for the word that he sent to Israel preaching what the gospel or good news of peace of peace The good news of god's reign is associated with peace in isaiah 52 verse 7 which we read earlier in the service how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who publishes peace who brings good news of happiness who publishes salvation who says to zion your god reigns you know heralds of peace are heralds of good news armistice day november 11th 1918 when Germany finally signed the armistice agreement with the allies and the war was ceased the next day the the Guardian in England in their editorial wrote these words as the whole world was rejoicing this is the great day the great day of peace hoped for longed for at times appearing remote almost unattainable yet never despaired of resolutely pursued at last conquered now it is ours And not ours only it is the world's it is for our enemies no less than for ourselves it is like the rain from heaven it is a gift to all of course we know as we know our history that this peace did not last it was a great moment an end to a war that killed millions of soldiers and millions of civilians so many on the western front yet it wouldn't last the peace that is proclaimed at the heart of this gospel is a peace that has been secured and established and will last for all eternity and jesus brings this peace peace of course is what the emperor claimed to bring to the roman empire the pax romana the peace of rome this was part of their propaganda but it was a peace built on a militant triumphant model of authority built on the suppression of one's enemies and ruling by force. This is how a first century British leader, Cal- Calgacus, in a speech written for him by the Roman historian Tacitus, describes the Roman regime. To plunder, butcher, and ravage, these things they falsely name empire. They make a desolation and call it peace. The peace. That comes through Jesus, who is Lord of all, upends the militant, triumphant model. It actually turns kingdoms on their head and upside down because it's a peace that is achieved by him doing good, by healing the oppressed, and ultimately by going and dying on a Roman cross at the hands of his enemies. They put him to death, Peter says in his opening gospel words to Cornelius, by hanging him on a tree. This is a peace established by service, by self giving love by sacrifice and that is what the cross represents in the kingdom of God and it's a piece that then addresses our deepest needs and challenges look at verse 43 as Peter brings his words to an end he says to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name the forgiveness of sins this is a huge reality by offering forgiveness because of the grace and mercy of god expressed in the cross of jesus christ we are set free from our deepest problem our debt our shame and our guilt and god grants us through the cross reconciliation with him and peace with him we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans five, verse one. And this peace it comes at the cost of Jesus, the new King, the Lord over all, giving up his life and pouring out his blood that we might be cleansed. This is salvation, actually. The word isn't used here but that's exactly what is meant in this proclamation that we can actually be rescued from sin from evil and from death and know the fullness of peace and reconciliation with god and this peace and reconciliation with god that jesus wins for us at the cross also then entails a peace and reconciliation with one another that spreads itself out throughout the world in the people of god the church At the cross and this is written about in ephesians 2 that dividing wall of hostility between jew and gentile is broken down that jesus might reconcile us to god in one body through the cross all those who would believe in him that's what verse 43 says is the condition of entering into this new kind of life all those who would believe in him are reconciled not only to god vertically but are then reconciled to one another horizontally and there is a new kind of peace that is manifest to the world in this new people of of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and language that jesus is forming as his body here on earth we are a people of peace who have been reconciled to god and reconciled to one another and did you catch that in verse 43 verse no one is excluded from this good news that everyone And of course, Peter is shocked in this moment because he's saying this to Cornelius and other Gentiles. But he's saying it in obedience to the Spirit of God. Everyone who believes. With God, there is no partiality, our text begins with. Everyone who believes, everyone who yields to the lordship of Jesus comes to this forgiveness of sins and reconciliation and renewal and new life that is at the heart of the gospel and how it works itself out in human life. That's why this person in this position is such good news. Because of the purpose of peace and reconciliation and renewal that God is bringing about through him. This is something, and I want to encourage you in this, this is something that we as the people of God are to shout from the mountaintops. Are not to be ashamed of, but are to glory in. Yes, it can be offensive because of this claim of universal lordship. He is Lord over all. And that is a threat to every other lord every other means every other counterfeit god that seeks to bring life is threatened by this gospel but it is good news that jesus is lord and paul links this reality of of forgiveness of sins and reconciliation and the renewal of life that comes about through the ministry of jesus in second corinthians chapter five therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creature the old things passed away behold new things have come now all these things are from god who reconciled us to himself through christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation namely that god was in christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against him and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation what this gospel has accomplished in the hearts of human beings and in the community that is produced in the wake of this gospel is then going to occur for all of creation It's going to go beyond the human kingdom to the whole created order as the creation eagerly awaits the redemption of the sons of god as it mentions in in, paul mentions in romans 8 and jesus says in revelation 21 behold i am making all things new there will be a new heavens a new earth new bodies for us and a whole new way of life under jesus as king this person in this position with this purpose Is the gospel and I want you to know that this is an expression what peter is declaring to cornelius The gospel truth is an expression of the depth of the love of god for us For god so loved the world That he gave his one and only son That he sent his son into the world That we would not perish but believe in him and by believing in him have life eternal or everlasting this gospel is an expression of the god of love at the heart of our universe and that's why we long for love we're made for love and this gospel is an expression of that love one more p if you've been following person position purpose all of this is guaranteed by power by god's power paul says it in romans 1. I am not ashamed of the gospel why because it is the power of god for salvation for everyone who believes everyone who believes there's that universal appeal and what happens when peter even as he's speaking the words of this gospel to cornelius and those who long to hear what god had sent him to say what happens in verse 44 while peter was still saying these things the holy spirit fell on all who heard the word Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 1, you know, our gospel didn't come to you in word only, but in power and the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. This gospel has power to change the world and to change lives, and we see that power manifest here. And Peter and those with him, the other Jews with him, are overwhelmed that God, look, God has expanded his gracious work to even the Gentiles. They have received the Spirit. What then, they say, prevents them from being baptized, And they engraft them into the people of God. And then in chapter 11, they go tell people in Antioch. And then that forms the foundation of Paul's ministry to the Gentile world of this great news that Jesus is Lord over all. And that through him, God is bringing about peace by reconciliation and renewal. This is our gospel. And this is good news. It's great news, by the way, that Jesus is Lord, not Joe Biden, not Vladimir Putin, not Xi Jinping none of the current leaders of the day or any who have come before them or any who will come after them have any way of of competing with what this king has done is doing and will do and that is good news it's such good news for you and for me and it's such good news for your classmates in school if you're a teenager here it's great news for your classmates in college or your colleagues at work or your neighbors on the block it's great news to the world do not be ashamed of the gospel Which has jesus as lord bringing about peace through reconciliation and renewal the forgiveness of sins and salvation at its heart so how do we respond quite honestly we respond to this gospel in celebration and praise and joy and wonder even amidst the challenges and griefs and bereavement of our world We respond to this gospel with with simply falling down and and praising the king of kings and the lord of lords who is the prince of peace and we respond by beginning to live this life as those who have known this power who've known this liberation who've known this forgiveness and beginning to walk this out together in our feasting and rejoicing and giving thanks and in all that we do as we gather week after week in this place and as we gather informally around the city throughout the week sharing life together speaking the truth working for for love with one another working toward reconciliation in our relationships bringing healing to those in the world speaking of new life fighting for justice giving meals to those in need forgiving those who have wronged us and on and on and on our response to this gospel is to live into the fullness of the love of god in jesus And to manifest that more and more and that's what we want to consider as we move forward into growing and becoming more and more like jesus who is lord over all this person in this position for this purpose all guaranteed by god's power this is the gospel be encouraged let's pray god we thank you for the glorious message of the gospel of the lord jesus christ we thank you that he is indeed lord over all our lord lord over our neighbors lord over our nation lord over our world and we pray O god that we would respond to this true gospel with gratitude and thanksgiving with joy and celebration as your people that we would be marked as a people of the gospel by hope and by joy and we ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us afresh that we could grow more and more and live lives that are worthy of this gospel fitting responses empowered by your spirit grant us that joy and bless us as we continue to engage these things in the weeks to come we pray in jesus name